Eugene for leading us in worship. It's very, very good. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, we'll be looking at the first eight verses. Serving an unchanging God. Isn't that wonderful? So much changes, but God never changes. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 13, we're going to read now verse 1 through 8. The brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing some have unwittedly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may only say, the Lord is my helper, I will not what can man do to me? Remember those who rule over you, those who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Say that last line with me. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then just one verse from back in Joshua 1 verse 5 No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Praise the Lord for his word. Lord, we ask that you would now bless this word in our hearing and guide us now. Give us the words to share. Just want, Lord, the Holy Spirit to have his way in this service. To your name's honor and glory we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Friends, there is a security and there's a hope for the future because as we just said together, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So now we're in another new year, 12 months ahead of us. We don't know what comes, but if you have a sense of dread or fear, give it to the Lord, and he can change that fear into optimism. Yes, we face unknown, but we can face them with confidence, knowing that God is with us, and his joy, his mercy, and promises are new to us every morning. Praise his name. You know, we, we have a win-win situation, don't we, as Christians, as believers. Never forget that. So no, one, no matter what the next months may hold, whether it be happiness or maybe pain, one thing is sure, we have an unchanging God, and his promises are with us through it all. So this morning, we want to share with you three wonderful concepts that emerge from the knowledge of the Lord's abiding presence. They're a life of contentment, a life of companionship, and a life of so we start then with the first one, a life of contentment. We read there in Hebrews 
13, verse 5, to be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. Life can be really frustrating for the person that is covetousness, or the one that has greed and wanting what others have. The workplace is full of those who do nothing, will stop at nothing to get ahead and get to the top of the ladder, it seems, no matter who they may hurt in the process. Sad to say, sometimes I feel a little that sense has come into the church. For instance, uh, in my circles, I get to know a lot of young men that are, that are in Bible colleges and seminaries, and it seems like so many are enamored to get that big church, you know, they want to pastor the largest or the fastest growing church, while a lot of smaller, struggling churches look in vain to get a pastor. For those in secular work, do our colleagues seem like they're discontented and greedy? I think it's a normal process. That, uh, there's nothing really wrong with this. You want to get ahead. You want to be well by your family. You want to support them and provide for them. But let's be honest, what price are we willing to pay to get all of that? I think rather we need to pray humbly before the Lord, and that's what that last song finished up. Being humble is to pray that God would guide our future, trust Him, and He'll bring it to pass. I think back to when uh, I was contemplating feeling the call upon my heart and life and thinking about what Bible school to go to. There were several that came to mind. And I wanted to do what the Lord would have. And we prayed, Faith and I. And it was just marvelous how God began to open doors. And the, traveling the whole way from Florida, I mean from Pennsylvania to Florida, was quite a move taking our family down there. Not knowing, you know, what the future really held. But what a delight it was just to trust God each day, a day at a time and how he led us and blessed us. And we look back in those days in Florida as some of the very most wonderful times as a family and what we enjoyed. And I, I tell you, Pete, I enjoyed school. I really did. I think you are too. Um, you really have a goal in mind and you set yourself to it. God is there to help you. Praise his name. Now, I wasn't always out in the football field or the volleyball field because I knew a test was coming. And I wanted to be prepared, and you know, it was always interesting. You could tell when test day was. You could mean the class was quiet. Everybody was in their books. I thought, well, I guess it's good to be studying, but you should have been doing that last night, maybe. And so God rewards you for what you put into it. I'll never forget it. One of my Bible teachers, Dr. Alan Brown, would pray on test days. Now, Lord, Reward every student for the work they put in for this test. He didn't pray for a miracle, as many were. So uh, let's do our best, and whatever you're involved with, God will bless you for it. Let's dedicate ourselves to the best use of what God has given to us. And we certainly give Him praise for that. So as we do, we can rest in Him and we can enjoy our unique role here in this church. And there's many, many opportunities to be involved and to share and bless you, those many of you that are part of the church. 
And so it is in Jesus that we find the source of contentment. Look again at verse 5. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And God has made all things available to every one of us. And it's through the cross of Jesus, his son. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 17, that the living God gives to us richly all things to enjoy. And then in Romans 8, verse 32, he says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I remember some years ago, a friend of mine that was... Uh, widowed, and so he he was in a, a courtship with a lady, and he said to me, after he married, he said, you know that verse always was so special to me that God will give you the desires of your heart. <laughs> and it blessed him with a, another wife, and they're still loving the Lord together. Knowing his abiding and dwelling presence, we are content. Godliness with contentment, which is great. We're very familiar with the 23rd Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I will not want, shall not want. And, you know, I always love to hear little children recite learning scriptures. And, uh, you teachers that have little ones, keep working with them. Get that word into them. Well, stories told of a little girl who was asked to recite the 23rd Psalm. And as she was reciting it, she got a little bit confused, and she thought hard trying to use the correct words, and this is what she said. The Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. I think she had that really well planned. That's not exactly the way the scripture says it, but that's the, certainly the context there. When Christ is our shepherd, we will not be in one. We will not want any other. Praise the Lord, Jesus is all we need. And so we also see that Jesus is the spirit of contentment. I like that those verses there in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Apostle Paul is here instructing his protege Timothy, his son in the faith, and he's warning Timothy of those who desire to be rich fall in all kinds of temptations and snares, harmful desires that lead to ruin and destruction. Then down in verse 10, Paul says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered far from the you notice he says it's not money, it's the love of money is where people go wrong. I'm sure you've heard stories, read stories as I have of lottery winners. I mean, it's amazing how many homes and families were destroyed because they won that big lottery check. And I can't imagine if your name is all over the news, uh, Ed, he just won a million dollars. I mean, how many people be calling Ed up? And remember me, I'm your old buddy, you know. I need a little help here. My car needs work. 
This is what happened. People just begin to call, and, and it causes all kinds of problems. Because it comes out of greed, jealousy, uh, deep-seated conscience. It's that sinful nature inherited from Adam. But all oh, the stark contrast we see in the state of the Christian is one of contentment. Contentment. Praise the Lord. That's what Paul said. I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. He discovered the secret of both how to abound and how to be abased, how to be full, how to be empty. Many put to memory the verse there, Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And I think of the psalmist says, I have been young, now I'm old. How many can say that this morning? Never mind. <laughs> I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. There in the Sermon on the Mount, and you read chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew's excellent, excellent message that Jesus shared. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What a promise. What a promise. Without God in our lives, there's a void that cannot be filled. It's that an emptiness that only God can do. Filling. Many are trying to fill that in all kinds of ways. Maybe it's family, friends, good jobs, things of the world, but nothing completely fills that without Jesus being on the throne of our heart. You know, the devil will do his best to bring discontentment, making you think that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. It may appear that way, but you know what? It needs mode to. Seeking contentment outside of Christ will always cause a person to come up short. Can we say with the Apostle Paul this morning, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? No matter what happens in this year, 2019, we're in God's hand. Securely there it is. So believing and living it out is really the only life of contentment. Let's move on then to the second uh, main point, a life of companionship. One of the great promises of the Bible is found in Hebrews 13, verse 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. These words reinforce God's love to every one of us, his care for all of us. What a truth, what a tremendous truth that we can claim to hold on to. Jesus wants to be our personal companion, a personal companion. I really appreciate the book of Psalms, and Psalm 91 clearly tells us that those that fear the Lord have an angel of the Lord encamping around about them. In other words, he's right there with us. What assurance, what a, a wonderful feeling to know that God's presence is with us no matter where we are. God met Moses there on top of Mount Sinai. But today it's the Holy Spirit that is here. He wants to be with us, and not just with us, but in us, indwelling us. That's 
almost more than what we can comprehend, is it? Paul, in writing to the Galatian church, there in Galatians 2.20, it's, it's a wonderful verse. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We ought all say, praise the Lord. A verse like that. That's living out our sanctification. The blessed Holy Spirit offers. It doesn't come through the law, but only through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. On the cross, otherwise, He would have died in vain. Jesus then is our personal companion who wants to continue to be our perpetual companionship. Hebrews thirteen verse five assures us that no matter how dark the days may be, and they may be dark, we don't know. God is always going to be there with us. I found this interesting that the Greek scholars here on verse 5 claim that in the Greek there's no less than five negatives that express this profound truth. And so if it reads something like this, never, never, in no wise will I leave you, no, never will I forsake you. Doesn't that encourage your heart? I don't know the Greek, maybe Peter's learning the Greek, but uh, it's quite interesting. It's very colorful language, and so much of the Testament is, the New Testament is in Greek. I heard, read of a story, a true story, of a man that was in Africa in a hunting expedition, and somehow he got separated from his hunting partner. As night fell, uh, he began to realize the rough, Train. It was about him, and uh, I don't know, Nelson, if he ever got lost. It was out in the middle of the night in the, in the safari someplace, but in the distance, he said he could hear the call of the hyena, and nearby heard the hiss of a snake. Ugh, that would sort of give you the shudders, wouldn't it, in the, in the dark of night? And he said a sense of fear and loneliness seemed to sweep over him, and he knew death could be close. Is that possibility? And that's when he began to pray, and he said the Holy Spirit began to bring to his mind scriptures. And that's the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit. He said, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That verse came to him so clearly. He said, I begin to feel hope as I counted on that biblical promise that night. And later, certainly he survived, and we wouldn't have had the story. He wrote this down in his Bible. Although I may, feel, I may feel lonely, alone I cannot be. For he who loves me dearly will never forsake me. How wonderful to be assured of that, that companionship that Jesus offers to us. And lastly, it's a life of courage. A life of courage. Hebrews 13, verse 6 says, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Contentment, companionship, and courage. That's what I'm offering to all of us today. Those three essentials for every day of this new year, and every new year for that matter. NIV, or the King James Version, puts it this way. We may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. You can pick what version you like, 
Maybe you like one better than another, but confidently or, or boldly, the Lord Jesus is our helper, just the same. Amen. None of us here know what the end of this day will bring, let alone tomorrow. But we can trust God. Matthew 6.33 says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This verse follows right after verse 33 that we quoted earlier. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. Okay, then, let's stop worrying. Let's stop fretting about the tomorrows, the unknowns, but rather, let's seek God and his righteousness. Continue putting our total trust in him. With the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, you can have courage to face each day. Amen. If we're serving God and he's in the center of our will, obeying his word, we need not fear the events of life. I'll be honest with you, sometimes when I hear the news, I think, oh my gracious, what next? But we don't have to fear the tomorrows because God is still on the throne. Hallelujah. He's in charge of this whole world. He's in charge of you and I. Praise his name. We can have a positive outlook on life. And that's more than just positive thinking, as you hear sometimes. Man, that may help some, but it's because of God's word to us today. A college girl, I see these college girls back there. The college girl was putting up her new calendar in the wall of her room, and she said, it's going to be a beautiful year. And her roommate said, well, how do you know that? She said, well, a day is not that long a time. I know it's going to be beautiful because I'm going to take one day at a time and I'm going to do all I can to make it a beautiful one. Each day to give a smile to someone else, to brighten their day. Were you ever in a store and you're getting your groceries and somebody walks by and gives you a nice big smile and says, hello, doesn't that do something for you? Well, now you do that then to somebody else and bless them. Let's have a ready smile for everyone. And I believe that Jesus wants to shine out of our lives like that. I love that song that Bill Gaither wrote back, I think, 1970 or 71, because my wife and I sang it when our oldest son was just an infant, and it was a brand new song at that point. It says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, beloved, Jesus lives. So shall we walk with him without fear. Let's stand together now as our worship team.